you know, there, there are days that are great. And I'm like, this was the best decision we've ever made in our lives. There are days where I'm like, what have we done? Like, why are we doing this? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the Whisker Cloud Veterinary Marketing Podcast. I'm Adam, the CEO of Whisker Cloud. I have Michael Shirley from Family Pet Health in Tennessee. Now, I'm not even going to attempt to try to pronounce the city in which your hospital is in. Can you please say it for me? It's uh, Murfreesboro. Okay, that shouldn't have been that hard, but I did mispronounce it about seven times before we chatted, and I made the decision to just not attempt that again. <laughs> That's okay. We're used to it. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I, uh, I'm i glad to have you on. You know, you and I have connected since we uh, found our way to each other, and it's been really cool even being Facebook friends with you, watching some of the things you're doing in your personal life. You're a politician now. You run a vet hospital, you're doing all these things. So I thought it'd be great to have you on and talk about balancing time, talking about the hospital. And where I like to start, anytime I talk to anyone, anyone that knows me really well knows I love Marvel, uh, specifically the Incredible Hulk. So every superhero has an origin story. So anytime someone's going to come on here, I want to know your veterinary origin story. How did you end up in the vet world? What drove you to it? You know, I, I know your wife is a veterinarian, but you know, what led you guys there? Yeah. So uh, just to to start off by saying I am not a veterinarian, but I am married to one. I like to say that it was easier to marry a veterinarian than it was for me to become a veterinarian. But like so many people out there listening, probably I'd always dreamed of being a veterinarian from the time that I was in the fourth grade. And what happened in the fourth grade was I was exposed to 4-H. So 4-H came to my school. And just to frame it, I've lived in Murfreesboro my whole life and we lived in town in a neighborhood and 4-H came to our school in the fourth grade and they passed out the little books and you could look at like the enrollment form that had all the different projects you could sign up for. And I wanted to sign up for every animal project that there was. And I remember going home and telling my mom, I want to join 4-H and I want to do cows and chickens and horses. And she looked at me and she goes, stop. She goes, we live in the middle of town. We can't keep animals here. But we did live near a horse farm. So a, a very long story short there is I started in the 4-H in the fourth grade with the horse project. And I stayed on that path all the way till today. I still have horses. And from fourth grade in 4-H, I went to high school and got and became very involved in FFA. And then, again, still thinking I'm going to be a veterinarian. I'm going to be a veterinarian. And so I, I had good grades in high school and went to college at Middle Tennessee State University, which is here in Murfreesboro. I went there for my undergrad. And the first semester of my freshman year, I decided I was not going to be a veterinarian (laughs) because I liked the social life of college better than studying. Um, (laughs) And so so I quickly decided that I wasn't going to be a veterinarian because I didn't want to study that much. But I really enjoyed agriculture. I enjoyed the classes and the people and just I knew that that's what I wanted a career in agriculture. So I I maintained a major in animal science and graduated with a degree in animal science. Now, the best thing that happened about that journey was um, that I started shadowing, job shadowing a veterinarian here in Murfreesboro, Dr. David Harris. And he allowed me to start coming and shadowing him on Wednesdays before church when I was in junior high school. 
And the moment that I turned 18, like the day that I turned 18, I started working for him. Now, my family grew up uh, growing up. My family owned grocery stores. So I worked at the family grocery store from 11 until I was 18. So the moment I turned 18, I quit at the grocery store, started working at the vet's office. And that corresponded with my senior year of high school. My freshman year of college, my dad fell at the store and broke his back. And so I had to go back to the family business to help with that. So I had to quit at Dr. Harris's office, but they hired Dr. Shirley, my wife, Amy, they hired her to replace me. So they upgraded, they got rid of me, hired Amy. <laughs> and uh, But I remember the day that I met her, I remember exactly where I was standing in the vet's office when she came around the corner to be introduced by one of our clients. And they said, she was like, you need to hire this girl. And I'm like, yes, Dr. Harris, you need to hire this girl. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we hired her after I left. <laughs> so, but, um, but we started dating in college. And while she was finishing up her last two years of veterinary school, um, I started working full time for our county's animal control. So I did that. I was an animal control officer for two years. And when she graduated, we got married two weeks after that. And then um, I left animal control and started working for the extension service. I was a 4-H agent. I was in charge of the county livestock program and a few of the other digital media group and uh, also the shooting sports program. And so I, I got to do that. It was a dream job. I, I did that for eight years. Amy started working for an AHA hospital here in Murfreesboro. She worked there for 10 years. And one day she came home and said, I don't want to work here anymore. And I was like, okay, we'll quit. <laughs> so, so she did. <laughs> um, and she was a relief veterinarian and started traveling around. During that time, the local high school called me to ask me to come be the high school agriculture teacher. So I left 4-H and I went to the local high school and became an agriculture teacher and an FFA advisor. I have done that for the last five and a half years. I just resigned my position at the high school it was effective June the 30th of this year to concentrate on the vet office. But what happened in the interim there was Dr. Shirley was doing relief work and she came home one day and said, I think I can open up my own vet hospital. And I, I jumped up off the couch, gave her high fives. And I said, of course you can. I've been telling you that for years. Like you're going to do great. You're awesome. And so we started on the journey there of, of planning for her hospital. And she knew that we, we make a really great team. We're, we're complete polar opposites from each other in, in just about every way. And um, so where she's great at medicine and I'm great at marketing and she doesn't like confrontation and I kind of love it. <laughs> so, so I handle the <laughs> customer complaint. So part of that is just a challenge. Like I, I like taking a client that's unhappy and turning them into a fan. And we've been successful in doing that, but she doesn't want to do that. So again, we just make a really great team. And I think my background in in my my path that led us to the to owning a veterinary hospital is is really equipped me to be successful. Um, but the number one thing is I'm married to a great doctor who people love to work with and people trust, and she practices great medicine. So that makes it really super easy for me to do my job. That's my origin story. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to see the movie. Right. <laughs> but uh, no, that's a great story. You and I have a lot in common. I mean, uh, I, I had a family business back in Las Vegas that I worked in. In high school and college, I, my parents had clothing stores. So I totally get the aspect of wanting to be part of the family business and then the aspect of wanting to get as far away from the family business as possible. But I want to, so she came home and she said, I want to own a hospital. And 
and it's funny when I started Whisker Cloud and I had owned another business and, you know, found my way here and I'm talking to a lot of people and I said, you know, I have this idea, I'm going to change veterinary medicine forever. And, and they all said, well, you know, gear up. They're great people. They're horrible business people. And people still say that I go to trade shows and I'm like, how's your week going? Oh, great. I love these people, but man, they don't know what they're doing in a business perspective. So when you're opening a new hospital, did she feel like she was prepared for that? Because I assume, like, I'll tell you this, like, there's this joke at Whisker Cloud. Most of my days start at 4 a.m. Most of them end at 10 p.m. There's a lot of time in, in the middle uh, around dinner time with my family. But, you know, I own a company. We've got a lot of employees. We've got clients around the world. I get it. And employees will come into my office pre-COVID and now they'll hit me up on Slack and they'll say, how's your day going? And I'll say, don't ever run a business, TM, <laughs> trademark. Yeah. So is it is it fun to own the hospital? Yes. Okay, that's good to hear. We do not regret it one bit. Now, there are days that are tough. It is not all sunshine and rainbows. There have been some, we have dealt with some things that really have shaken us, you know, with HR stuff, you know, where you're just, you know, hurt, right? And when you have a, a patient die on the operating table and clients bash you and tell you you're a horrible doctor and that hurts. Right. And for me, you know, that they're talking about my wife. And so I want to go track them down and beat them up, you know, <laughs> but, but you can't do that. But so, so there are days that, that you could, right. But that wouldn't work very well for me. <laughs> so, but so, you know, there, there are days that are great. And I'm like, this was the best decision we've ever made in our lives. There are days where I'm like, what have we done? Like, why are we doing this? But never have we regretted it. It has provided us it's fun. Like you said, my mission, you, you talked about wanting to change the veterinary industry. I say the same thing. I want to change the veterinary industry starting right here in Murfreesboro. And we, we talk about that with our staff, with our team, um, is to say the same thing. Like Dr. Shirley's number one goal was to create the type of environment where she wanted to work every day. And so that's what we frame. Our mission statement is to respond to the needs of family pets in a positive environment. And that's our mission every day. And we're in control of that, right? Like I love a book. We require uh, people when they interview with us to read a book called The Energy Bus. And rule number one is you are the driver of your own bus. So every day we can decide like yesterday might have sucked, but we it's up to us to decide how we're going to walk into the building today. And our team holds each other accountable. And 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 it's not, um, you know, fake positivity. It's real positivity. And sometimes it's hard. Like, you know, you walk in like I'm having a really terrible day, guys. And and just being honest with each other. And that's the kind of environment that we've created. And so that's been a success for us because we spend a lot of time with the people that we work with every day. And so we want to like them and we want to like going to work. So. So, yeah, it's been fun. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it. And hopefully one day we'll reap some good financial rewards (laughs) that. that, uh, But, you know, we're not in it. I mean, well, we're in it to make money. It's a business, but it's really the, the making money is is what's going to allow us to to fulfill our mission, which is to provide a great work environment. Well, I like what you said too about how, you know, how you're going to try to change it locally, but I know you, I mean, I see your posts, you speak, you, you, you know, you guys have done a lot more and it's really funny when I think about vet hospitals, I'm a, I'm a guy who has owned a marketing agency who owns a, a software company now and who's got a pretty big marketing background. Like this isn't hard for me 
to understand. And sometimes veterinary professionals, they make it really hard on themselves. It's like I open a business, I build out the infrastructure, I make sure I have a great website, I make sure I've got a really active social media presence, I run ads, I focus on SEO. And and all of that really that's all good stuff. I mean, that's everything we do here. But more importantly, all of that, you then you have to really kick ass at the hospital because that's the biggest problem we have. We had a client email us, uh, God, I want to say like six weeks ago. And she said, you know, I keep getting all these bad reviews. Aren't you guys supposed to take care of that? And someone from our team got on the phone with her and just said, listen, we'll help you respond. Well, you know, if you get some spammy or fake reviews, we go to bat for you and get them removed. But if you keep being mean to people, you know, you're going to have the problem here. We can't help with that. It's really an interesting thing, but it sounds like you guys have figured out having the right attitude. Doesn't it all just really come down to giving a shit, but like you have to really be able to show that you give a shit. Yeah. People, people can see, you know, instantly. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll, it's hard. Like what our team deals with on a daily basis is like, think about this year with COVID and people are, you know, clients, I read nationwide. I, I read these posts where clients are being jerks and we haven't experienced that very much at our hospital. But part of that, I think, is because of our team's attitudes. They don't fall into that. They don't fall into that trap. We we frame it with we don't know what's going on in their lives today. Like maybe they just found out their spouse has COVID. Like, you know, so we just try to give people the benefit of the doubt as we're dealing with them. But I'm not going to say that, like, if people are in a bad spot and they're, they're, you know, angry and they feel burnt out, like that's real. And you just need to analyze what has led you to that point. And if you are burned out, like, just think about if this, you know, is there a better spot? I, I see so many people feel like they're trapped and I've never felt like that. I've never, I'm kind of an adventurer anyway. So disruption makes me excited. So when COVID hit, I got excited and that's where we've, you know, we talk, we talk about technology, all these ideas that have been kicking around in my head. I finally got to put them to use and people didn't have a choice, but to follow them. <laughs> I'm like, I've been trying to get my wife. is My wife is great. We, we were, we competed in a, a national contest for young farmers and ranchers with farm bureau and my, we had to give a presentation in front of a, a huge room, right? And my wife hates public speaking, hates it. And she only did it because she loves me. But we, we, we were second in the nation, right? And like, I'm like, you are so good. People love you. Like, you rock it on stage. You did great. And, and she just didn't want to do it. But with COVID, we, we, went, we started live streaming our, our appointments from the exam room out to the parking lot. So it forced her. She didn't have a choice but to get on camera with people. And now she'll do she'll get on camera with me and she's better at it now because she feels more confident. Like she hasn't changed except her confidence level. So, you know, people just need to like look at, at their situation and be like, you know, what has led me to to be in here if, if they feel burned out and just kind of, you know, take some steps to be open to to explore and and not be afraid of change. My wife was terrified to leave. And I just had the most confidence. You're going to be fine. Like, we'll be fine. You're miserable. Leave. Like, just leave. What are we going to do? I don't know, but this isn't fun. <laughs> so, like, we can find other, there are plenty, especially now. If you're, if you're a competent vet, call me. You can come work for me. Like, we need a vet. So, it's a, it's a job seekers market. So, don't feel trapped. You know, good CSRs, good, good veterinary technicians, good veterinary assistants. People are looking for good people. So, if you feel like you're in a bad spot, leave. Go find something better. Have you ever heard of the burn the boat story? No. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the really quick version. Do the parable. Here. Okay. The parable of the burn the boat. <laughs> 
Yeah, the burn the boat. But the 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 really screwed up thing here is I was meant to speak at this marketing event in Denver, um, the uh, Entrepreneur Founders Group, and I was one of the mentors there. And I was going to start my big speech on camera with this story. And the guy before me goes up there and he starts telling the same damn story. So I walked up and I and I looked at everyone. I said, I hate him. And everyone like looked at me weird. I'm like, I was going to tell the same story. So 1519, Captain Cortez, he landed in Veracruz. He was going to have this great conquest. So he gets there and he tells his men, we're going to do this. There's the biggest treasure. There's all this gold. We're going to get there. We're going to take down that army and we're going to get this and it's going to be ours. And he's on the boat on his way and he's kind of trying to pump up all of his men. No one is biting. They all look nervous. They all look scared. So they get off the boats. They're getting ready. And he gives them an order and says, burn the ships. And they look at him and they're like, are you crazy? We're, we need them. We're going to need them to get home. And he says, go burn the ships. Now there's only one way home and that's on their ships. And anyway, they ended up winning the battle, getting the treasure, getting the boats. So, you know, it's always like burn the boats, you know, when you're like, should I, should I do this? Should I quit this job? Should I buy that vet hospital? Yeah. Burn the boats. So that's the burn the boat story. And um, that guy, Dan, who stole that story from me, Dan, there's no reason you'd ever hear this, but if you found your way to this podcast, I still hate you. (laughs) So let me ask you this. You do a lot in vet med. And I want to talk about some of the things that you're doing for the hospital and some of the things that our team has supported you with. But let me ask you this. like One thing that you could change about veterinary medicine, what would it be? What's the one thing that you would change right now, whether it's the culture, the industry? For me, it's the adverseness. I don't know if that's a word to technology even still drives me so crazy sometimes when I think about the cost of a of a pet desk app for a couple hundred bucks and the, all of the things it can do for you. Why do people not have it? Why would you not have it? Or even, you know, the people that have these horrible websites. I know how inexpensive Whisker Cloud prices are. It's like, there are so many bad websites out there. Why? It, I can't even imagine for a a couple bucks a day, why you wouldn't want that. So those are my things. But for you, what what is it? Is it, there's a lot of toxic behavior. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff. So you tell me, what's the one thing that you, you could just wish you could just snap your fingers and change? For me personally, I wish that I could get my team the respect that they deserve. And, 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 and when I say that, it really could go out nationwide. You know, our doctors do amazing things. Our veterinary technicians, our licensed technicians, which I, we wanted to call nurses, but now in Tennessee, that's against the law for me to call them veterinary nurses because the human nurse union like fought it. But, to, but at any rate, what, what they do is amazing. Our veterinary assistants, our CSRs, what they do is amazing. And I don't think that people truly understand the, the cost of running a veterinary hospital and therefore the teams don't get the recognition and, and compensation and uh, things that they, that I feel like they deserve. You know, they do amazing things. If I could change one thing, I think it would be that. I wish that I could pay them more for what they do. You know, it's interesting that you say that too, because I, uh, I feel the same way. And I think, and I don't know necessarily, I think that's just a business owners who care thing because it's the same deal here. We're different. I mean, we get 200 support emails a day. It's a lot. 
I'm going to tell you something. I won't name names here, but someone emailed our support email last night at 9.45 p.m. Pacific time. This person's on the East Coast. It's one in the morning almost. We got a second email at 5 a.m. our time. So, I mean, you're talking, this is middle of the night stuff. Hey, I sent you this email. Why is it not done? It's not, it shouldn't be that hard. This is someone who's been with Whisker Cloud for three years, someone that I've met in person who I really like. And you think to yourself, sort of what you were saying earlier, okay, she's having a bad night. She's having a bad day. I don't know when you expected our team between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. The problem is sometimes we do have people here who are psychotic who do things at midnight when they can't sleep and set that boundary. But it's tough because to sort of go off of what you said, I, there's really nothing I can do, right? Like I could call her and say, Hey, can you not do that? Like there's humans on the other side who get that message. You know, they, they come in the door at seven 30 in the morning. Like they don't want to see that email asking like why it was so difficult. It's not that hard. Uh, but it's, I assume it's the same deal at the vet hospital. It's like, and I get it. And I think people in the industry get it. And I think people who really care about their pets get it, but you're right. I mean, we manage reviews for, hospitals and we manage probably a thousand plus reviews a day some of them are really insane oh it's it's crazy town um it's crazy town out there and and it's disappointing it it saddens me that someone in our profession would would do that to someone else in our profession um and you know i consider whisker cloud well, I'll, I'll tell you why I consider Whis- Wizard Clouds in the veterinary industry, because I wanted y'all to build my campaign website. And you're like, nope, we only do vet hospitals. <laughs> and and uh, because because I knew because I'll t- and I'll tell you this, Adam, I, I was so mad at the person that helped me build my campaign website because it wasn't to whisker. I was like, whisker cloud could have done this better. And you know, like they, this is, I'm, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so, but we all in the veterinary industry, we know how crazy people can make our teams feel. So don't be a crazy person to somebody else in the vet industry. Like we, we know how it makes us feel. Don't put that on somebody else. <laughs> no, I get it. And I think that's just like COVID fatigue in the country right now. I just think everyone's edgy, but you know, it's tough. And I, I, I sort of believe that the stuff you put out there are, you know, you're kind of inviting back. So there's times now where, you know, I, I had my, like maybe a month or two into COVID, my fridge broke our fridge at home and we couldn't get a new fridge for like, I don't know, it was over a month. It ended up being almost two months. It was crazy, but you know, we're going back and forth with GE. They kept blowing us off. We're having all of these horrible things happen. And I'm on the phone and, you know, I love the Hulk. And I believe that you shouldn't become the Hulk on step one when you're dealing with a rough situation. I think I think it's step one. Okay, I understand. Can we try to figure this out? Step two, this isn't working. Is there someone that can help me? Step three, I'm, I'm typically not a ask for the manager person. But, you know, you, you get to that point where you step three or four and you're just like, okay, now it's game time. I, you better get me this damn thing and we got to figure this out. But there is a time that you have to ask for the manager. Yeah, that, that is true. Absolutely. But don't, like you said, don't, don't, don't take it to DEFCON 4 right the first time you talk to somebody. Like that's not going to get you anywhere first off because they're just going to buckle down as well, you know, and dig in their heels. And so then we've, we've created a, a conflict that neither person wants to back down right from the beginning. It's just not, it's just not productive. Yeah, it's uh, but the, you know what the bigger problem is too, and I've thought about this a lot. Like when you hire someone new at your hospital, how much training do you put into? Hey, this is how we answer the phones. This is how we 
greet people when they open the door. And so not only do you have that training, but then how do you put together a process to really stay on top of that, to make sure that your team really does a good job of those things consistently? Do you guys measure that? Yes. And this is what I think sets us apart from the rest of the industry in Murfreesboro. Number one, and I, I, I talked about this a little bit earlier, we require every single person who, before they can come in for a one-on-one interview, they have to read a book called The Energy Bus. And it talks about positivity and being positive. And I tell people, I said, this is going to sound strange. I really like you and I want you to come and interview with us, but you got to read this book first or get it on audio tape or whatever. But you have to listen to it before you. And then when you when you're done, call me back. And people are like, um, okay. And some people think I'm crazy for that because like, are you kidding? Like, we're, I would tell you to shove the book up your whatever. And I'm like, okay, well then if, if me asking you to read a book makes you that angry, you're not going to like it here anyway, because I challenge our team all the time. We read books together and talk about them at our team meetings. We have team meetings every week and some people, well, not every week. If we don't have a reason to meet, we don't meet, but it's on our schedule to meet every week. And some people think we're nuts. Like, how, how do you find time? And I'm like, we make time because training and bettering ourselves is core to what we do at Family Pet Health. If you're not getting better, then and if you don't have a desire to improve yourself and thereby provide better service for our patients and clients, then you don't belong on our team because we are in an old 1960s ranch style house that's been converted into a vet hospital. It's awful. Like it it has the worst workflow around. I have <laughs> dreams to build a, like a $3 million practice down the road. We, we have to change. Like we have to get better in order to make enough money to do that. Right. And so if you're not on that train with us, if you're not riding our energy bus and heading in that kind of a direction, then we need to pull over and let you off. So that's step one. We, we require them to read that. And I tell them, this is going to sound really cheesy. I mean, the book is cheesy, but it's great. And if it it sets them up to understand what kind of a culture they're walking into. If you go to Family Pet Health's Facebook page or Instagram or TikTok account, you're going to see who we are on a daily basis. And we're we're a positive work environment. Um, that's who we are. And that's the message that we put out. So we self-select for people that are looking for that. If you're looking for the lowest cost provider in Murfreesboro, we are not it. I do have no desire to be that person. Because I have to pay my people. I want to pay a living wage to everyone that works for us. And I want to be a, a, an employer of choice. And so that costs money. <laughs> so at any rate, you know what you're kind of walking into. Like we make it very easy to see our culture. Our website looks amazing. And I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you, but it does. It looks great. Um, and it's easy to find out who we are and what we do. We educate the public. We Tomorrow night, I'm having a Facebook Live interview with an author who's a cat behaviorist. You know, I'm not going to make any money off of that, but it's providing education and a resource out there for people. Those are the types of clients that I want. And it's also the type of employee that I want. I want someone on our team that's going to come in and say, what can I do around here to make this place better? And that's what I'm looking for. Everyone on our team has a special project. So if you come in and you're lazy and everybody else around you is working on their special projects, you won't last long if you're not willing to jump in and do that too. So you asked about training. We 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 do have a script. Like it, it's number one, it says you have to smile when you answer the phone. Because it's <laughs> it, it is impossible to be to have an angry voice while you're smiling. It just is it's not possible. Like 
try it. <laughs> you can't. And so when you are smiling, when you answer the phone and say, you know, thank you for calling Family Pet Health. This is Michael. How may I help you? Like, if you're smiling, you can't say that in a way that sounds offensive to somebody. And and um, so we 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 listen to people. And if they're not doing it, we coach them up. And if they don't change, if they don't rise to the to our standard, then we coach them out. You know, and we tell them, hey, it's it's not this isn't the right bus for you. Like there's somebody out there that that's looking for you, but it ain't us. <laughs> so, no, I, I, I love that. And I love that you have those standards. I mean, I'll tell you this at Whisper Club, what's been nice is I've let, I've only had to let one person go all year. And, you know, during COVID we had no pay cuts. We had no hours cuts. I, I didn't lose anyone. And I mean, oddly enough, we doubled in size since February, but more importantly, it was just one of those things where, and the one person was there about a month. And I said, She's not whisker cloud quality. And, and, you know, it is what it is. We tried very hard, but yeah, I think about that a lot. You know, obviously I think a lot of vet hospitals say to themselves, okay, we got to get people who are young, who are inexpensive, but the frustration that comes from a lack of education, a lack of experience, a lack of caring, it's not worth a buck, two bucks, whatever it is an hour. Sometimes you're just like, you know what? I want someone who crushes it every single time. Correct. And quality is worth paying for. I mean, think about it for, for everything else that we do. We, you know, nicer things cost more money. And so having great employees costs more money. And if it, 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 at least it should, right? If you have great people that are making you a lot of money, you better be compensating them because they're going to figure it out. Like, I mean, everybody at our office knows how much we make each day. I mean, it's super easy to run a report. You know, I'm not there every day at close of business. It's not a top secret numbers. They know we've been busy. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about our financial goals as a as a business and we talk about those things and have good dialogue. But, you know, bad employees cost you money in a lot of different ways and lost, lost customers, training and, and having to have talks all the time and coaching sessions, you know, all of that costs a lot of money when you think about pulling them off the phones to go to the back, to, to, to talk to them about something that they're still doing wrong. You know, that all costs money. You're going to lose it one way or the other. Training's expensive. I was just talking, I had a, a talk with one of our licensed technicians today and I said, how's everybody doing? You know, and she goes, good, good. I feel like we're in a great spot. And I said, yeah, I mean, everybody's growing. Everybody's getting so much better and more confident. And and I'm like, it's about time to hire another person. She's like, oh, I'm so tired. I just need a little bit of a break from training because it's exhausting <laughs> to, um, to, to train people up. And, and, and think about, gosh, you, you're trying to save a buck and you spend all this time training somebody uh, your way of doing things. And then they quit to go chase a dollar. I know for $8 a day, it's like, come on, seriously. You think about the environment, the life you're going to have. It, you give somebody a dollar raise, it costs you 40 bucks. If 40 bucks makes or breaks your business, then you've got more problems than that person, <laughs> you know? But it, it, the, the talks, sometimes it's okay to say, hey, I, I can't afford to give you a raise today, but what else could I do to show you how much I appreciate you? And they may say, well, I'd just like maybe to leave early one day a month to go hang out with my kid at the zoo. Okay. In fact, let me buy you a zoo pass. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think about that stuff a lot. And and it's funny too, because when you know, when someone does ask for more money and you know, I, I think 
any business owner has to do is this like, evaluation in their head. Like, okay, what's the value here? Um, Cause I always say something different. I'm always like, yo, I'm really happy to do that. These are the three things I want to see out of you. And typically for me, those three things are like, I want you to be a leader at whisker cloud. I want you to really own our data because everything we do is based on data. Literally everything. Every time, Someone emails into us, it triggers 50 other things in our system. So it's all about the data. So I want you to help us do that. And then I want you to be part of our QA process. I mean, we have a billion different QA processes. And, you know, if you can be on top of those things so other people don't have to pee, you're going to get more money. And if you don't want to do all those things because they take a little additional work and training and, and probably some classes for them to take, which we pay for anyway, but it's like you either want to do those things or you don't, I'm not going to fight with you over 200 bucks a month or 300, you know, even, I mean, even if a, you, know, you give someone a $5,000 raise, I mean, it's about 125 bucks a week. So for the business, that doesn't seem like a lot. Like I know at a vet hospital, I have two Boston Terriers and a cat. I take them to go get their Apoquel, their side of point, their Royal Canaan soy food and all that stuff. It's 600 bucks. I do that once a month. I mean, so I know that I'm there for 12 minutes and I probably, I could have just covered four people's raises in 12 minutes. No one even had to see me. Well, we can talk about markup, but I understand what you're saying. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There is markup there. I think you're right. Like I'll tell everybody, you know, y'all can talk about your pay. I don't care, you know, whatever. But if at any time you feel like you need something, to like, I don't, I don't, I'm not getting paid enough or I'm not getting enough vacation time. Come talk to me because myself and Dr. Shirley are the only two people that can change that for you. And when you sit down with me and say, Mr. Shirley, I think I need a raise. I'm going to say, okay, tell me about that. And then I stop talking and I let them talk. How I want to pay everybody. I wish everybody at my office could make a million dollars, but we have to be able to generate that in order to pay that right? We have to be able to generate more money. So show me how you can bring that type of value to the office. And I'm happy to talk about a raise. I mean, like you said, every business owner, it's all numbers. It's just a chart that you're, you know, what goes out has to be less than what comes in, right? (laughs) And so when we're talking about new technology, you know, uh, I've loved technology and we, our most recent technology upgrade was to go from AT&T phones to voice over IP, right? VOIP phones. And I met with some of the industry leaders in the vet space. And I was like, there's no way I can afford that. Oh yes, you can book this, 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 and more. I'm like, we're already booked out four weeks. I can't book any more people. <laughs> so like, I I think that what you're offering is super awesome and it has lots of great features, but some of them I don't need because I have Pet Desk and Whisker Cloud doing these things for me. But it has to justify the expense. Like is, is, is buying this service for an extra hundred bucks gonna at least break even, but really I need it to make more than that to justify it. So it's just all, it's all, it's just all way weighing pros and cons and, and the cost benefit analysis. So that goes with people and goes with technology and services and building a new building. It's all just analysis. I agree. And I, and I unfortunately run those numbers a thousand times for everything we do every day. But I'm going to ask you one last question because you did something that I've not seen a lot of other hospitals do. And I want to hear about how it's going. So you started a private Facebook group for your hospital. And when you announced it, I saw you talking about it in the Snout School group. And I saw you posting about it on Facebook. I'll be honest. My initial thought was, I don't love that idea. Now, I don't love that idea because Facebook 
can sometimes turn into a very toxic echo chamber, no matter what you believe in in life. And I thought about, okay, you have this private group where you have people that they must really like you. Like I think about that a lot. It's very hard to get someone to like a page on Facebook. Okay, you have your vet, you like them. You better have damn good quality content because they're not going to follow it unless it's going to benefit their pets or their family. But a group is scary shit because you're sitting there and you're saying, you know, one person that group has a bad day, they could really start a lot of damage in that group. You know, what happens if you do, there is something catastrophic happens. You do lose a patient on the table and it's out of no faults of your own. The pet was old. The, you know, there was an injury that was just too bad, whatever it is. And that person gets into this private group and just, I, I think of it like they're in the house and they just lit it on fire and, and you know, like, so has that happened? Has there been any weird nights where you're like, shit, we shouldn't have done this? Or has it been a hundred percent positive, which I'm going to cross my fingers and hope you say yes. All of the things, all of the concerns that you just expressed were the same reasons that I created the group. Does that make sense? That I, I opened this group up because this is the, the, I control the message in there, sort of, I guess. I control access to the group. All you have to do is be a, a member, a, a patient of a, a, a Family Pet Health, and you get an invitation to join our private group. It has about 230 people in it. They are our super fans. And Adam, I will tell you that the group, I, I post things in there. I give them first dibs on everything. I make them feel special. They are special. They're our super fans. They are the, the cream of the crop. They're the place where I can go to test ideas. They're, they're, it's safely. They're the people that I'm most concerned about because they're actually my clients. So out on Facebook world, we have over a thousand likes on our page, right? Which some people may say, well, that's not very many. <laughs> when, when, I, when, we took o- when, when I took over, it was like less than 200 two years ago. But now we have 200 people in our private group, but I know that they are our clients. They know our brand. They know that they can trust us. I would say that if any of them had a bad experience with us, they would post it in that group. And they would say, Hey, Mr. Shirley, today was not a good day of family pet health. And here's what happened. Actually, they might just private message me, but if they posted it in that group, that's okay. Like I would rather them post it there than on a Google review or on our page, because most of our complaints, and if you look at, if you look at most of the bad Google reviews, it's mostly just people not feeling like they were heard, right? It's just bad communication. It was a communication breakdown somewhere. The private group gives me a way to talk to them and educate them about what we're doing. And we answer questions that they post. They they talk to each other. We posted a question in there because we my daughter just adopted our rat. And we had questions about rat enclosures. And I posted it in our private group and got and they got to share, they got to share information with the veterinarian. Okay, I like that. That's cool. And so they feel special. We think they are special, but um I've also asked them to help us before. Like I'm like, hey, we just got can you all look at this Google review that we got? And, and they're like, Oh, we're already on it. <laughs> or, or they'll in our cities, Facebook groups, like hip Murfreesboro, our super fans, whenever somebody goes, can, can you tell us like looking for a good vet? And they're like, Oh, family pet health is awesome. They even have their own private group. You should join, <laughs> you know? And so people are like, Oh, my vet doesn't have a private Facebook group. Your vet has an app. Why doesn't my vet have an app? Your vet lets you stream 
why does it matter? Let me stream. Um, you, you did all the history forms before you got there on a on a on their website. What? Like that sure sounded convenient. All I do is worry about the customer experience. That's my main job, right? Because I don't have. I'm not a licensed veterinary technician. I'm not a doctor. I'm not really even a very good veterinary assistant. <laughs> like not for my wife anyway. <laughs> I would be a horrible one too. But I get bored. I get bored sitting there holding a pet, like giving it IV fluids. Like that's like the worst for me. <laughs> but um, but at any rate, so so I and but I I put people where they're successful in our business. But you were asking about the group. So this is what I do. Like I love client experience. That's what I bring into this. Is like not having lived my whole life, professional life in the veterinary world. I think I'm more open to change. And you said that was the thing that bothered you. It's like why won't they change? It's because most vets are perfectionists. And if they finally gotten something to quote unquote perfection, they don't want to change it because that would, they'd have to not be perfect. And their whole lives have been about being perfect, like perfect grades, perfect study habits, perfect, being a perfect doctor. Like that's a lot of pressure. So it doesn't surprise me that they're kind of averse to change, but we have to teach them how it helps provide better medicine for them. And they'll be more, they'll be more open to it. That's my biggest uh, piece of advice. If you feel like your PO, your practice owner is not listening to you out there, or if you are a practice owner and nobody's bringing you ideas, that's a problem. I want people bringing me ideas all the time and we'll talk through them. As you're taking ideas to a practice owner who doesn't seem really willing to listen, just figure out what motivates them. If it's money, talk about how this technology is going to help them make more money. If it's about patient care, talk about how this idea that you have is going to provide better patient care. So just find out what motivates them and and change your message to match what drives them and get approval and then run with your idea. Man, I love it. I love everything about the way you guys run the business. I remember when our team was building the Walk My Dog program on your site. And I mean, it looked, the page looked out of this world. Our designers killed it. But just talking about a, it's something where you guys go above and beyond. We had Theo was the big winner, which was really cool. But even the way it worked on your site, I just thought it was so cool. You guys had prizes. We had a registration form. We had logs where people could like log, you know, log their miles, read about the goals, read about the weekly social media challenges. So you guys are the exact type of clients that I want at Whisker Cloud. Well, you all have been the the web company that I was looking for. I mean, I and we'll have a bro fest here, but you know, it's it's true. Like <laughs> I mean, it's you know that the cool thing about that walk my dog challenge is and you would you can track it super easy because it happened right at COVID, right? Like it was part it was part of it. Our website traffic just exploded. And the people that were part of that program the overwhelming majority of them were not our clients. So what did we do? We created a sales funnel. Now I have all their email addresses and they know about our, our brand and we can send them our messaging. And we know that we have a good website that looks good in the app and with pet desk and all that kind of stuff. I mean, but it's, it's just who we are. Like we, we really get off on community involvement and being a part of that. And I was just talking, I, I'm missing teaching and so somebody asked me to help a, a vet science class at the high school in at the in East Tennessee. And I said, hey, why don't we just Zoom? Like, I'll just teach your class. Like, I'm, I just need to teach. I need to get in front of some kids and teach them. So why don't you just let me teach your class and we'll just Zoom and we'll do a, an appointment from start to finish. And she's like, that's amazing. We're not getting any money out of that, but it's just it gives me fulfillment. 
and I get to put my, my team on camera and they get to in the areas that they're passionate about. And so that, that fills their tank up. And for me, it's so easy, like to motivate people. I'm just like, let's just find what they're passionate about and let them do it back out of their way. (laughs) And I don't understand why that's so hard for people. That's what's really frustrating for me too, I guess, about the vet industry is like, we have so many passionate people that have these great ideas and we don't let them run with it. And we, we should do that. I agree. And I think that's honestly the best way to end this. If, you know, if you're listening to this out there and you're thinking about your team, your organization, sort of how things are run, maybe it's time to start letting people get creative. You know, again, if someone comes to you at your hospital, you know, I think about the contest people run on Facebook for this or that. We're doing a photo contest. We're giving away this. You guys had 300 people register for the Walk My Dog program. I mean, that is think about that. That's really crazy. And you said a lot of them weren't clients. I mean, that's exactly how it's done. What's the lifetime value of a client? I'm worth 7,000 a year because I got two very itchy Boston Terriers. What if I was one of those? That's easy. And it's a great program and it's part of the community. So you guys are killing it. I love to hear this. We've, I've loved working with you. I want to get to know you better. I want to get to, I want to get some beard tips from you and but no, man, I, uh, I'm so thankful that you came on to chat. I think a lot of people have a lot of cool stuff to take away from this. And I'm just really appreciative that you took the time to chat with me, all the nice things you said about working with us and all the cool things you're doing. I think it's great. And it's what VetMed needs. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm going to give one shout out to, to something that everybody that's listening should join. And it's called the Veterinary Leadership Book Club. It's on Facebook. It's a group that I started um, from a from the veterinary practice managers group that I was a member of or am a member of. And I was just looking for four people to read a book called The Power of a Positive Team with me. I was like, hey, does anybody want to read this book with me before I make my, my family pet health team read it? And we have over a thousand members now. And we're right now we're reading The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And the next book is going to be a marketing book. So it's going to be great. So everybody should join the Veterinary Leadership Book Club. And you obviously can check us out at Family Pet Health. And Adam, it's, I've, I've enjoyed it. I could talk anytime. When COVID is over, I'm coming back out to California. I'm to California, man, please. Now, we, uh, Danielle and I have talked about that, having a bunch of people out here and doing just like a big get together. So stay tuned on that. Uh, I'll, I'll be there. I'll bring the, bring the kids and the wife and we'll, we'll make a trip out of it. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. And yeah, you and I will catch up real soon. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, have a great night.